Welcome back to another episode of the Holiness Podcast, where we believe that discipleship is a process and wholeness and holiness are the results of that journey. So glad that you are here to take part today. We have something very special. As you've probably noticed this season, we've been blessed by incorporating different conversations that happened at the 2023 General Conference. It's been a really fun journey to talk to different people from different walks of life and experiences and hear from their perspectives. Today is no exception. We are going to hear Josh and Rachel Carson share with us their passion to see us disciple our kids. Now, this session took place in a seminar at General Conference, so it's going to look a bit different than any of our other sessions. It's a different experience, and of course, the whole setup is, is different since it's coming from a very special seminar. But it's so important to me that we talk about this topic. I thought it was important to include this season. I know you're going to be blessed. The Carsons have been in ministry for many years. They are pastor of Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis. They also are president of Indiana Bible College. They have served in youth ministry, family ministry, in so many areas. I've had the privilege of knowing them in a number of capacities, and I can tell you that they live out what they say. You're going to be blessed in this conversation as we talk through ways that we can help in the discipleship journey of our children. Enjoy. Oh, thank you so much and welcome. We are excited today to talk about this subject. I believe it's so very important. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and, and kind of jump to the chase here. Uh, I do have an angle with this session. I'll, I'll be straightforward with it. That, that sounds self-serving, but let me explain what I mean. Um, for a few years now, I've traveled Pentecostal Resources Group. Many of us, well, it probably sounds more familiar to say Pentecostal Publishing House. But as part of that uh, role, I'm gone to different churches to help consult with their children's ministry, with their teacher training program, with their Sunday school. And over and over, I got the question, what can we use to teach our kids about holiness? And I would say things like, well, you know, I remember in 2018, we had a quarter on holiness. And then I remember, you know, it seems like maybe it was in, you know, 2012, I think we had a really good lesson. And we were, I was trying to tell people how to piece together resources to fit this important conversation we know we want to have with our kids. And so after after a few years of that, I finally say, my goodness, why don't we have something? So um, I put together this book by this same title because I've learned in Jesus uh, this year that um, that I think gives a one-stop shop. It's not an end-all be-all, but it does give you a starting place to comprehensively walk through this topic of holiness with our kids. And so that's my heartbeat, and I have a personal testimony there, I'll leave for another time. But I wanted to give a resource that would empower parents and would empower churches to talk about this beautiful doctrine with our kids. Now, recognizing and doing that, we, um, there's one very real problem with that, and that is I'm not a parent. And isn't it always fun when the non-parent wants to tell the parents, this is what you need to do, well, and then better than that. Uh, I'm a resource provider, I'm not a parent. And so I've put together a resource that gives the biblical reasons for this. But what I wanted to do in, in, in a seminar setting like this is let's talk today about how we approach this conversation. Let's talk about uh, some of the important ways that we would go about this, this needed conversation with our children. And so I think it's no better team to talk about this than Rachel and Josh 
Carson. I had the privilege of working with them, had the privilege of going to church with them. I know they're poor kids. I know their heartbeat for the things of God and for passing on apostolic truth. And so I am so delighted today to have with us the Carsons. They have a long and impressive resume of all the different things that they do in the kingdom, including youth ministry leadership, and now their beautiful role at Calvary here in Indianapolis. And without going into a lot of details, I know that you are devoted to your family. And I think for this conversation, that's probably the most important thing. So I'm honored today to have the Carsons with us as parents who are committed to this conversation. I know today we're going to be blessed by what they have to share. So thanks for being part. I want to maybe start by asking you both, or I want to start maybe the conversation with the word discipleship. So when we talk about talking to our kids about holiness, maybe our brain jumps right to certain topics or scripture references, and that's all important, and we want to get there. But maybe we should start by setting up, why is this conversation about holiness important in light of maybe a bigger word, which is discipleship? So maybe let's talk about that big picture. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I, I think for each and everybody, if you're in this room and those that are not in this room, maybe you're going to watch the session later. The reality of it is, I think everyone wants their kid. Well, let's start this. Everyone wants their kid to be good, right? Yeah. Everyone wants their kid to be good. How many recognize that you yourself are on this holiness journey? Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to develop our kids, and the reality is we're trying to develop ourselves. Uh, we know according to First Peter, if we're going to be like him, he's going to be holy he is holy we've got to be holy i think my greatest challenge is when people speak of holiness in a separate characteristic of god god is holy and so to raise our kids to be like him or to develop our own lives as disciples to be like him means holiness is not a part of the equation holiness has got to be interwoven into everything that we do and so i think or looking at the kids and the lifestyle and the discipline, something that Rachel and I can try to be committed to is this simple thought. And some of you have heard this before, but if you have not, this is a really easy way to think of it. To be holy, H-O-L-Y, you have to be holy, W-H, oh, you know, you see what I'm saying there? Holy given to be holy. And so that's part of the topic, what we'll t we're gonna talk about today. When he was recruiting disciples, we know from that lifestyle, he took them from fishers and said, I'll make you become fishers of men. In this lifestyle discipline that we're talking about in regards to holiness, it matters all the way around. And I think the way that we'll discuss this, maybe you don't get to be a disciple minus discipline. This is maybe one of the toughest things that we and then also our children deal with is who are we all the time? And so I think that's probably a part of what we need to discuss today. Want to add anything to that? Nope. Very good. Well, I appreciate that uh, conversation in light of that bigger picture of discipleship. And I think connected to discipleship, when I think of discipleship, um, I think about that's not just something that happens at church. You just reference mm. this is not just going to be something, you know, we, we do in, in one vein of our lives. It's all of our lives. So maybe if y'all could talk with us about this balance of the home and the church, because this teaching our kids about holiness well who's going to do that how's that going to happen yeah um and and that's great because we how we are out of our homes 
is is what our kids are going to view as far as we've got to be how we are in one place we've got to be at the other we can't be so spiritual at church where our kids see us worshiping and involved in doing other things but then at home we're not doing those things so your kids need to see you playing at home they've got to see your prayer life they got to see you in your word they got to see you doing devotion time and personal prayer time yeah um and even how you are outside how we dress moms it's important you know how we are at our house how we are when we run to the store um, is the same as how we're going to church. Even on vacation. That's another good one. That's just keep in mind. You know, we don't we don't dress one way on vacation just because we're on vacation. So we gotta guard in all areas. If you bow your heads and pray. <laughs> what's our what's our uh, what's our instruction there? Deuteronomy, right? We love to quote Deuteronomy in regards to the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. And, and, and in our circles, if we can be honest about this, do our services get any more fired up than when we start talking about the oneness of God? This same reality is about the teaching them diligently. To who? Thy children. To thy children. So what does that look like? Uh, when we're talking about the balance of, of home and church, what my wife was just saying about who you are when you leave. If you are the people that fight at home, but you're so pleasant at church, you are teaching them or we are teaching them, we give the best version of ourselves at church. And I understand there's always going to be a part of that. There's nobody in this room that hasn't had a ride to church where you're like, I just can't even stay in And you walk into church and you're like, how are you? Like, We're so good. We are so we're just doing good, too blessed to be stressed. Just, just, and you know you were ready to kill somebody. You were just in the rearview mirror talking to them. I will kill you. Like, I'll pull the car over. You'll never make it through the day. And, and, and so, so we understand that. But the teaching them diligently. Here's, here's something I really want to bring up in this moment. Okay, The average child, the average student, Let's say we get 40 minutes of teaching time. Now, some have Sundays and Wednesdays. Even at that, let's say your child, if it really is based on attention spans, and we don't have time to go through all the science on that, and every kid, truthfully, is different. Let's say they actually comprehend 40 minutes a week. I'm going to be honest with you. That's probably a fallacy to think that your kid digests 40 minutes of righteous teaching a week. But if they do... Out of 365 days, they got 1.5 days maximum. And yet we are so prone to blame our children's lack of holiness on the teaching of the church. It is not a church issue. It is a home issue. It is a home issue. And that's why we've got to get this home. I'm convinced as a uh, pastor myself, if we could get the Bible home, we could change the, the entire narrative on all of this. Um, we're, we're, we talk so much about having good church. We need to spend more time being a good church. And if we could get it home. So I don't want to ramble on, but that's a big part of the grunts. Absolutely. So very good. Thank you for that. I guess let's keep moving in that vein then of the home. Um, obviously, you are pastors, but you are parents. And so when it comes to the home, your home as parents, how have you approached this topic of holiness and teaching that to your children and your family? Well, I would say I've got one daughter, three boys, 
And so I'd said, probably almost a few months back, I really felt the Lord impress on me. I don't know if you've heard the book, The Girl in the Dress by Lori Wagner. And I said that because I've got one girl and three boys. But I felt the Lord impress on me. It's important for my boys to even understand why us girls, women dress the way that we do. I wanted them to have the understanding. I've already done the book with my daughter, but wanted her to also, we did it again as a whole family. So for them, I know they were kind of like, but I said, boys, I want you to have an understanding why. So that way, when you're looking for a spouse, when you start dating, that you realize the importance. And now we're doing um, Unmasked, which is the one on makeup and tattoos and all that, because I want my boys, not just my daughter, I want my boys to have the understanding. But we've got to teach it in the home. We can't expect um, them to go to church and learn all this and get it for themselves, but we've got to teach them in our house and have the understanding why it's important. Show them the scriptures. Let them ask questions. They don't understand. I'll say to my daughter, do you understand? You know, or if I say, you know, I'll point out things to her, but you know, how does that look? You know, does that, does that represent Jesus or people seeing Jesus? You know, so. And she responds typically with, oh. <laughs> is it something we're working on? Uh, no, just kidding. I, I would say this, um, you know, in regards to this, I hope it could be this way in every home. There should not be off or out of bounds questions. We don't, because I said so. <laughs> that doesn't work. You know who those people, the people who were always told because I said so are the same people that are out of church that I'm trying to win back. And I don't mean that ugly. I'm just telling you, we don't have to make Scripture greater than it is. It's big enough for itself that if we can have the conversation, I think, I think sometimes we talk about, we, we muddy the lines a little bit, all right? For instance, I was having a conversation recently about, um, maybe about a year ago, and some parents wanted to, actually it was the grandparents, uh, I was just talking to Brother Tyson about being a grandparent, the grandparents who wanted to challenge the way we were talking, and, and, and they brought up a, a particular topic, and they looked at me and they said, they said, that doesn't make sense, that's, that's, it's not immodest what they're doing. And I said, oh, you are so right. And they were stunned. They weren't prepared for me to agree with them. And I said, that's right, it's not about modesty. It's about sexual distinction. And I'm afraid sometimes we blend that in our conversation of holiness because we got to recognize a big part of what we're talking about in this overall conversation of holiness. If we're not careful, all that we do is we hang the hook of what we wear on that. But it's a hard issue first. Amen? It's a hard issue. And so there is not only this modesty, but this distinction of sexes, I'm going to know we've never been at the front line of this more than we are right now, the necessity. So sometimes you have to challenge, but if, if you're going to challenge, challenge with text, not opinion. You can challenge with Scripture and allow that to happen. So in our own, we try not to have questions be off limits. Wait a minute, you're going to get some really weird questions. You are, but I would much rather them ask us. I promise you, there are times we have to go to the bedroom later and be like, oh my God, where did that come from? I, 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 and she'll, she'll have to be like, you kept a really straight face through that. I was dying inside, dying inside. 
But those conversations, whether it's in the vehicle or in the living room, if, if, if your living room is a safe place for everything but the hard questions, we have to evaluate that. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Let me talk as a teacher. I know I'm not a parent. Let me talk as a teacher. This is why I am really emphatic that as churches go to like big group children's church, which is fine. I, I love it. It's fun. At least break into small groups yeah. for discussion or at least still have a Sunday school where there are because that seven-year-old that wants to ask a question number one if there's 80 kids in there you can't there's not the format for it but number two they're not going to ask it in front of that 11 year old and risk looking stupid you've got to have these narrowly graded small groups for questions because if you aren't asking questions it probably means you're not thinking hard and if you're not thinking hard you're probably not learning and growing we want our kids to embrace this they're not going to just say open my school, please download all of this information, and then we're done forever. That's not the way learning works. We know that. So we've got to give them a format where they could talk. I hope it's at the home. Let's also say in the church, let's make sure there's a format in the church as well so they can ask those questions. They're yeah. not going to get this if they can't talk through it. Ask some questions. Make sure your church, make sure your home has a format for questions. So, so good. With that being said, let me ask this. I've always wondered this. How much of certain topics do you get into when a question comes up versus when you say, you know, we need to go ahead and get in front of this and proactively, you know, this week, let's sit down and talk about X versus, well, you know, they'll ask a question when they're ready. We don't have to pick a certain topic, but I'm just wondering generally, what's that, what's that right approach between waiting until they have a question versus let's just jump in and go ahead and talk about this as we Adrian with Aaron Bass. You got it. All right. Uh, we laughed because I just looked at her and I said, we didn't ask any of them if they wanted to start potty trading. Right. Like, it, that would have been a nightmare, right? Uh, if we wait on our kids to ask eternally relevant questions, I fear we're going to be in trouble. So there will be questions they ask. But I, so I'm a, I've taught for many, many years on proactive versus reactive leadership. I think we have to be proactive. Everyone in this room has is, is probably been at a place where you're frustrated because your kids, you ever get on a trip and they're like, this happened, okay, case in point. We got all the way to a destination and we were getting out of the van and my son said, but well, I didn't bring shoes. <laughs> I, I had a moment. We contemplated life as a whole. This is on didn't video. Bring, didn't bring, oh, sorry for the video. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, they're not. So what did I do? I took that as a come to Jesus moment. Anybody ever? Seen? Yeah. Right. You never go anywhere, but it's the teaching. It's the training. Ladies and gentlemen, his shoes in comparison to the readiness of his soul. We teach them so many simple things, how to be prepared for this. We teach them how to. On the guy side, I'm teaching them how to change tires, how to how to how to make sure that they are dressed appropriately. We're in a day and age where boys think not doing their hair is what looks good for doing their hair. That's something we're. I'm like, you're gonna get back. That's not from how I taught you. Do your. Hair. If we proactively versus reactively, if we look at it that way, if we wait on our children to ask these eternal questions, we're going to be trying to make up for lost time.
I'm convinced, I'm convinced in the, in the book of Luke, when Jesus' parents go a day's journey and then they finally find him three days later and he is sitting there in the temple and he's asking and he's hearing and they're astonished, they're working through this. I'm convinced the greatest thing they lost was time. Those parents lost time with that kid where they could have been watching Jesus develop. And uh, so in regards to proactive, I think we have to guard that we don't lose time. So I'm a fan of proactive versus reactive. If you want to add to it. I love it. I, 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 you know, we hear that word intentionality so much. And yeah. if we're not careful, it can become a buzzword. But it matters. It really does. And I, I love that, that in your challenge today to think about the scale of this. If we're intentional about, think about how intentional we are with our kids' education. I'm all for it. I, I am thankful for my education. I'm thankful it was important to my parents. Yeah. But if we're that intentional and thinking about, okay, what, what teacher they have this year and what do we know about that teacher? And then, you know, when, when they're a junior, we're already talking through, is it college? Is it trade school? What are we doing with them? If we're that intentional thinking that far out with their education, I love this push to let's think about how old are they? What are, have we talked about? What do we still need to talk about? I love that. So good. So good. Now, another thing connected to all of this is, parents at four, I'm pretty sure I can guess and say each of those four children are unique. So how does personality of the child play into some of this? Have you had those moments where, you know, one child, the way he or she is wired, it, it, it's just different child child. And so talk to us a little bit about that, the unique personality of children and how that may affect this conversation. Oh, yes. Well, I, with having four children, I'm very much into the birth order. Um, Does she? Uh, I, all those books, because they're so true. <laughs> You've seen all the rules, or the reels with like the firstborn, the middle, and the baby. Can anybody um, agree to those that they are spot on, spot on. And so, yes, I mean, I can pretty much almost predict with the firstborn and all that. And so... Yes, being intentional with how they're going to respond to those and how they're going to accept those. Even, even us. I, I think this is a good way to start. So if you're, you're married, her love language, my love language, different. How many have a different one than your spouse? You have a different love? That means your kids, same thing. And if we're not careful, we try to force feed. You know, some of, everybody has a kid that can receive punishment easier. We have one that you barely have to say anything. Yeah. Okay. And we have another one that if you are not so mean, like you got to be so mean until they're finally like, all right. <laughs> the you one you look at. Okay. And it's just, it's just, it's just the reality of it all. How many know that? So if we don't base it on, here's the deal. God designed everybody with a personality. Okay? And the Word of God, the love of God, crosses every single personality, every barrier there. But He doesn't expect us to just take every student and say, this is the blanket answer. I think part, is there a better example even than just looking at the disciples? Oh, yeah. Thank God for Peter. Like, he's our get out of the jail. A lot of guys in this room, how many have felt normal because of stuff he did? 
There's not a guy in this room that sees him at the fire losing his temper and they're not like, well, you know. <laughs> Seeing personality. How many people in this room, how many guys in this room have G used Jesus flipping tables to justify something in your life? Come on, you lie, you fry. Tell the truth right now. Our kids are the same way. Temper tantrums. And then sometimes we got to ask ourselves, where did they learn that? <laughs> so loving them and catching them within their personality. Well, if they were holy, they would... Come on. Come on. I found this. If we'll be open, typically they will. If we'll be real with them and meet them where they are. Let me give a, a basic example here, and we kind of talk about this. My wife is the teacher between the two of us, truthfully. When it comes to, like, she's talking about the book, she'll tell me what we're using. I'm a very passion-driven, here we go, here we go. I like structure, but I prefer if someone else does it. I want to do the vision and then I want to be the person that actually edits at the very end but her picking out the resource we have to find ways to win with our kids collectively but also individually so like my daughter here's how we win and we have deep conversations daddy takes her on ice cream runs you know why <laughs> daddy loves ice cream but she does too and in her personality, she's a very independent young lady. But the one way her guard comes down is to go on an ice cream run with dad. That's a simple way of saying every one of us, if you'll find a, a way based on their personality and where they're at, they may open up and have some of those conversations that maybe they won't have anywhere else. I think I'm hearing of both bands here. We're going to be intentional. We're going to have some proactive conversations. Yeah. We're also going to look for and try to organically arrange if that, if that works. Some of those moments where then those questions can come to the surface, that conversation organically. I love that. I love that dual focus, that dual approach. Very good. So I, I feel like we're really um, giving a lot of direction to the parents here. Let's let's switch gears and now go back to the church. Now, obviously, so much of what you just said, proactivity that the parents can take. But when it comes to the church, I'm sure we have lots of pastors in the room, lots of volunteers, lots of Sunday school teachers in this room. When it comes to those serving their local church, what can they do, volunteers, leaders in the local church, to help instill this commitment to holiness, this discipleship journey process? Yeah. Well, and like I said before, what you live privately, yeah. you've got to live publicly. Um, or publicly, privately. Sorry, I said that backwards. Um, and also, I tell people in my church, we, we, I want the church to help. I need the church to help even raise my kids. They can't just hear it from parents, from pastor, but even just other teachers and other members to come along and encourage them. And, you know, point, I'm praying for you, or, hey, are you doing okay? Checking on them. And I even encourage and challenge all of you, do that with even other kids in your, in your church. Um, and be that example and be there. Hey, if you need somebody to talk to, they're not always going to come to mom and dad. And they're not always, you know, going to seek help or go to somebody. But be that person where you do develop that relationship and where they will feel comfortable to come to you. Yeah, and books, like what you're talking about right here. So we do, we do curriculum at the church. It's hard to establish. It, let me say it this way, and I don't mean this demeaning towards anyone, but we do so much inspirational teaching in the church. Uh, and I love that. We hear from God. Um, but God is pretty good with structure. I got 66 books to prove it. 
he's pretty good with structure and the way that this works. And so to be able to intentionally utilize curriculum, we use God's Word for Life with a host of other books, like this book, Sister Alexander, I'll just pick on this. This is a resource here. When I find that this, this is a part of it, you're a part of a church, it is an absolute, it's not a question whether or not this will be available for our church. It's an absolute. Yeah. It's the way that we work together. This is a resource that we put in the hands uh, of parents. It's something we put in the hands of, of educators so that we can be intentional with this conversation. And then kind of reiterating what my wife was saying here, allowing the church. The reason I, you know, at Calvary, that we use God's Word for life, or we have book groups that are doing book groups and studies. And then on Wednesday nights, we do separate. I'm trying to get the entire church, every age, talking about the same topic. They're going to talk about it at different levels, but get them talking about the same topic. The main reason we do it this way, if mom and dad just heard about Joseph and little, let's say Timmy, because it's always Timmy in every seminar since the beginning of time, little Timmy is hearing in the classroom about Joseph there, little Timmy's perception and understanding is different than mom and dad's. But if somehow the full family is discussing the same topic, then it allows that biblical topic to be spoken of in the home. Um, and I think it allows that well-versed back to the same story I was just speaking on with them forgetting Jesus there in the city and he's in the temple. Interesting part of that particular narrative is that when the parents recognize, and I'd always, I've had fun with this, Sister Alexander, that Joseph and Mary have lost Jesus. I, I, I just spoke on this recently and said, you know, if Joseph and Mary can lose Jesus, anybody can lose Jesus, right? <laughs> but then a couple months ago, a month or two ago, I was praying and I felt like the Lord really kind of burdened me with, you give Mary and Joseph a hard time, but think about this. They also went to all my family and acquaintances and none of them knew where I was either. And one of the worst things we can do is expect that it's just me, it's just mine, and we don't help one another. And I think when we recognize the church, what it really does, we've heard the statement, it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, we believe it takes a church right. to help raise a kid. And, and we have to be aware that we don't allow the world's mindset, nobody else can correct my kid. One of the most dangerous things you can do is be that parent that flies off the handle when the youth pastor Right, right. Or the Sunday school teacher, I'm, I'm getting some real good nods and I'm getting some awkward stares. I'm good with both. I love them all. It's fantastic. Because the truth is, if no one else in leadership can ever help guide your child, then you are limiting the ceiling to their own leadership for the future. Oh my, that's so good. That's so good. You know, there, there are so many aspects of this, this topic of holiness, but I love this approach of everybody working together. Everybody's responsible. It's, Whose job is it? It's everybody's job. You know, as a, as a travel, and I talk with, like, uh, sometimes they're called children's ministry directors. Sometimes they're called Sunday school directors. We have these, these evolving terms. But the person that's responsible for taking care of all the kids' programs, and classes, and teaching, as I talk to them, this is what I hear. Well, you know, this is September, what is the day, 18th, 19th, I don't know what date is, I don't yeah. know. It's conference and bubble week, so we don't know what yeah. days it is. Yeah. Whatever, we're, we're in September. And so uh, I've been at a couple churches lately, and they're like, what are, you, what are you guys up to? 
Christmas musical. It is coming. We are now inside 90 days, and it, it's Christmas musical time. I went, okay, cool. And then, you know, you check in in at Christmas time. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're working on Easter because yeah, Easter this absolutely. year is, you know, and they'll rattle off what day Easter is. And we're working on this. We're trying to set up, we're going to do an Easter program, or we're just going to have a special gift, or we're going to have some kind of, and the kids are just going to be part of the main Easter. Okay. And then, uh, you know, you check in at the Sunday after Easter. Okay, so now what are we doing? You know, we're trying to decide if we're going to do VBS. I think we are, but camp is the week before uh, and so, okay, and so then you check in in July. Hey, how was VBS? It was great, but now we're working on the back to school rally because August is going to be here before you know it. And then we're back to September 1. And so, you know, part of our church culture is event driven. That's it. And I yep. get that because that gives these rally points. So there's nothing wrong with that. We don't say that we're event driven as a, a criticism because there are very good things we can do around these rally points. And I get that. But where this comes into this conversation is many times our children's ministry directors are really event coordinators. And so if we're waiting on the children's ministry director to initiate the conversation, this just may not be the thing they're waking up thinking about. And obviously then pastor has so much to do. And I talked to teachers that their two goals every Sunday is we did not burn the church down, and we did not have to get medical attention for a child. And as long as we're there, winning. You know? And so, point is, we have to be in this together, yeah. or this isn't going to happen. That's so we don't back into things. And I, I know, again, we're we're kind of I'm repeating, repreaching the preacher. I don't need to do that, but good. I just love the approach here today to intentionality, yeah. to everybody's coming together. The yeah. home's intentional, the church is intentional, and the church backing yeah. the home and the home backing the church. I love this. I think it's so needed, so necessary. Well, I, I said at the outset, we wanted to have a conversation that was about the general approach, and I hope you've heard today our stress on intentionality, on everybody working together. But if we were going to maybe pick one issue. We, we didn't want to come today and just give you a list of topics, a list of scriptures. The book does that. But if we're going to pick one issue that you say, 2023, as we look at our world and all of the things involved in that, if you were going to issue a charge to the parents that are in today and say, here's one thing, make sure you are proactive about You can't miss this one. What would be the can't miss thing you want to stress that our parents need to be sure they talk about? Yeah. I would definitely say prayer time to devotion time. Yes. Because it starts, they've got to start when they're young and get that and get that understanding. Um, I love it when I walk in at nighttime and I see my 11 year old with his Bible open and he's, he's got his Bible, but then he also has a devotion book. I love it when I walk in in the morning and my daughter is over to the side and she's got her Bible out. And so we've got to instill that. But like I said from the beginning, mom and dad, they've got to see us doing that. That's right. They can't just, did you do your devotion time? Did you do your prayer time? They've got to see us doing that. Yeah. And, um, and I'll say that on Saturdays, it can be trickle. We sleep in on our house on Saturdays. If well, we not can. we. Well, <laughs> everybody but him. <laughs> and so there's times where I'll remind her, you know, when I come out of my room, finally, I'll say, if I see them, you know, on electronic or whatever, I'll say, did you do your prayer time? And you're like, yes, ma'am, did it. And, I, and it's like, I already know, but I want to make sure. And I do the same thing when they make money. I'm like, did you pay your tithes? Did you pull that? That's just another side. But anyways, but we've got to, but I feel like that's, 
um, important because then that will open the door and lead them to other questions that they may have. Mom, I have a question about this. Dad, I have a question about this. Yeah, that's incredible. I And, and there it is, personality. For her to, to win to sleep in on a Saturday, that's a win. For me, if I have slept in past what would be for a lot of people a very early, I feel like I have lost the day. I'd be like, and so I'm depressed. So uh, don't want that. Here's my single most important topic uh, in regards to that. That's for in the home. Let me tell you something else in the home and in the church. The number one leading issue in the church, apostolic and non-apostolic today, is pornography. There is not a close second. Ask the counselors, ask the people that are training in and out in our cities, training in our churches, everyone that's counseling around. And I'm going to tell you the worst thing that has happened to the home is the cell phone. The smartphone is the worst thing that has happened. Okay, please don't get offended, but your 12 year old does not need an iPhone. Okay, and anybody, I'm not really saying it for the room because you're here early on a Thursday morning when you could be a lot of places, but to anyone who listens later or watches later, and if they do, we absolutely must utilize filter settings. We are not apologetic as parents that our kids do not get a smartphone. Now we give them a phone, they get a phone when they start going on youth trips. Some of you are thinking they can't go on youth trips anymore unless they get a phone. We understand that they make bark phones, they make gab phones, they make... We have got to stop bowing down so they don't have the coolest phone. We've got kids that can barely tie their shoes carrying around thousand dollar devices that have unlimited access to the most vile things that the world has to offer. The book of Psalms says that it is a snare laid before them. And if we're not careful, we are giving them the assist under the pressure of being the cool parents. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a travesty for us that we are putting devices in their hands and assuming they will be good. Amen. No, you want it, you, I'm going to tell you how to pass that test. Would you have been good? I said it once, I'm going to say it again, you lie, you fry. Would you have been, how many besides me are thankful an iPhone was not an option when you were a teenager? I thank God. But it is a dangerous thing to hand a kid a device that you yourself don't understand. Yeah. I watch this all the time. Grandparents that are trying to be the good, the spoiled grandparents give their kids a laptop or an iPhone, especially an iPhone, Android, whatever, a smartphone, put it in their hands, not recognizing they can watch anything, look at anything, then be sent. The phone we give to our children, they can't receive a picture. They can't surf the web. They can't get on Instagram, TikTok, or any of the other whatever. Wow, you're you're really you're really hard. No, there'll be a there'll be a time, and there are different things we give back to intentionality at different levels unto our children. Are our kids perfect? Absolutely not. Not even close. Have they had failures? Absolutely. So have we. But it is our opportunity to safeguard them. This is my basic illustration with that. 
No one in here would hand a 10-year-old a knife and say, have fun, figure it out. That could hurt their body, but what we're putting in their hands could kill their soul and destroy them. We've got to be more intentional about that. So for me, it is the single most, as a church, if you're a pastor or a leader in here, as a church, we've taken an entire initiative. We give it away for free. It's on our site, our creative team. I saw our creative lead was here. We'll give you everything we produce. Everything we build at Calvary, we give or we build it to give away. So if you ever see anything online, you see something we preach, you see something we teach, you see a resource we do, we know that from the inception, we build it to give it away. So if you want any of that, we have an entire uh, church-wide, we bought it for our entire church to have accountable to use software, to be able to use the PYE, which is Protect Young Eyes. Just think we have to be intentional about this because it's a it's a pretty vile world worth living in. So very good. Thank you for that charge to us. Uh, again, I want to speak as the educator here. The statistics there, it's it's. I guess the word I want is heartbreaking to see yeah. these statistics sure. because, it, as you said, if it sounds cruel, no, 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 no. It's out of an abundance of love that we don't want to. That's a great analogy. We don't want to give something dangerous to yeah. kids my goodness well then because the graphs that i'm seeing uh it shows the crippling anxiety that is shot up in our kids and we know absolutely we know some of this covid but if you look at any of the graphs out there barna group pew research center yep. you can go on yep. when you see the statistics of how anxiety has shot up then they'll add a, a graph that looks identical and that is the proliferation of social media sites and you can go to, to research sites that will layer those two graphs on top of one another, and it's a parallel. And the obvious conclusion is, with the advent of all of these social media sites, and what that's telling our children and our teenagers when they get on those sites, and they're just bombarded Absolutely. with so many things, Absolutely. It, is, it is affecting their anxiety. So when we, when we think about holiness you're, you're saying what what is anxiety have to do with holiness it's part of this bigger conversation mm-hmm. of discipleship and when we're not protecting our kids and making sure that we are intentionally guarding the things that they have access to at appropriate times and appropriate ways we're there all of these ripple effects that sociologists and psychologists could tell us that will happen yeah if we're not intentional with their access yeah. so thank you for bringing up that hugely hugely important issue if, if someone's here and they say, well, I just came to get the list. I need three scriptures to talk about this issue or that issue. We've got resources yeah. to get there. But sure. there's some bigger things like this that I'm thankful the church is addressing. We've got to talk about this. We absolutely have to talk about this. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I realize that we are very, very close to the conclusion of the seminar. And so I want to be respectful of the time constraints we've been given. But I'd love to just take this last few minutes that we have and just maybe get you to issue one last uh, encouragement to everyone in the room and those who will watch later. I know we've just called out a very specific uh, set of concerns, and I appreciate your emphasis on our personal spiritual devotions because commitment to holiness isn't something where go read the book and we've checked that box. It's going to grow out of that spiritual walk with God. So thank you for emphasizing that. Maybe just as we wrap up now, a final encouragement to our folks listening today and who will listen later. This this call to be proactive in our kids' lives. Give us one last encouragement about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can do it. Yeah. You can do it. 
Um, it may be seem overwhelming at times and even at different stages that your kids go through, but yeah. I believe with the help of the Lord, as long as we're staying on our knees and in our word to get direction from the Lord and being sensitive to what um, the Lord wants us to even, like I said, with the Lord speaking to me on just different things, even one thing that I'll mention, years ago, my kids, I would notice when they were littler, um, they'd go up to the altar, but they wouldn't really they wouldn't really pray. You know, you see sometimes little kids are just kind of like this, and I'd tell them to open their mouth, and they wouldn't. And I came home one time in our family devotion. I, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I said, on Mondays, so even to this day, every Monday night, we all pray out loud. And we take turns going around, because I wanted my kids to be comfortable praying out loud in the home. So when they got to church to go up to the altar in order to receive the Holy Ghost, they would be comfortable praying out loud. So even things like that, where they got comfortable, and now if you go, I mean, they all just pray out loud, like, no problem. Yeah. And so I just felt like that, being sensitive, but I encourage you, stay in your word, on your knees, and be sensitive to what the Lord says, and allow him to lead and guide you for what to speak to your children. But we're in this together, and we can do it. That's right. That's awesome. And and that's, man, that's going to feel awkward. I felt that in the room, like, that's going to be awkward. Oh. If if the only place they hear you pray out loud is at church, that's the tone you've set. That's what we established. So you can do it. See, they agree. They agree to you. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. So being, being intentional is not a one-day fix. It's not a one-week. My great encouragement to you, be open with your friends, too. Have a friends group. Have people around you. Don't, don't act like you've got it all together when you don't. Don't teach. Let's not teach our kids how to be perfect actors. Right. Okay? And so I'm going to talk to some that didn't come up. This is my encouragement as we leave. Okay? Holiness is this big topic. It's prayer. It's devotion. We talk about attire. I'm going to say it's something we don't mention much, which they may want to edit out. I think it should affect what we eat, how we sleep. How we live. I think. I think if. I think if we're teaching kids to do devotion, and then dress right, but they sit on an iPad through the whole service, yeah. or they watch video after video after video after video, even if it is Bible guy. Yeah. I think we have to be intentional with it all. But our students, our kids, our children, our homes. They won't be well balanced if we're not well balanced. So ladies and gentlemen, regardless of maybe the rut you've got yourself into, each and every one of us, if we're going to be disciples, we can live discipline and he will help us do it. What a great crowd. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Let's give it up for the Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We so appreciate all that you've shared. Thank you. As you leave out uh, the front door, there will be uh, a way that you can purchase this resource if you think it can be a blessing to your family or church. So grateful for everyone who's been part of this today. And again, to the Carsons. Thank you. God Thanks bless. a lot.